These are the target files. Discussing the novelizations and audiobooks of classic and now also new series Doctor Who stories. Looking through the eyes of adulthood at our childhood memories. After all, a great Time Lord once said, there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish some of the time. Hello faithful and new listeners and welcome to episode 94 of Doctor Who Target Files. This is Mike. This is Lee. And this time we are discussing Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. Novelised by Malcolm Hulk in 1974 from his TV script four years earlier. And the audiobook performed by Liz Shaw actress Caroline John. So Lee, a bit of a teaser for your thoughts on this one. I'm just going to tell you. I have never seen these episodes. I know it was season seven. It was the second story. Yeah, Pertwee's first season. First, yep, that's right. But no, I've never seen it. So for this review, I'm solely basing it on the book. One that's been fairly popular down the years, quite early in the range. It was in that period when they did ask the writers to flesh them out a little bit. But um, you were saying to me, you actually think it's been condensed a fair bit. You know, I don't just listen to the listen to the audio book. You have to do some research for us doing this podcast. And a lot of people said, oh, it was really good, but they did condense it down, which as a story, it it does really, it flows really quickly. I'll tell you what it reminds me of a bit was, do you remember doing exams in school, an English exam where it starts off and you're very flurried and you've got all these wonderful words and then it gets to the end of going, and then they got shot and killed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it it seemed as though it was very rushed. Very rushed. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, seven episodes on TV. A lot of themes like xenophobia, prehistoricness, a bit of genocide maybe at the end. Yeah, well, you know, things he won, a good story. Absolutely, especially a Doctor Who one. Early on in the Pertwee era, what do you make of John's Doctor, the third Doctor? Out of all the Doctors, he's not my favourite. Not because I don't love John Pertwee. I do love John Pertwee. Not that way. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, he'll always be Wurzel Gummidge. He'll always be Chief Petty Officer Pertwee from Navy Larks. He's a great comedy actor. One thing I don't like, you know, none of our listeners, please don't think that I think he's a bad actor or think he did a bad job as the third Doctor. I don't like the James Bond-esque Doctor. Isn't it true that Ian Fleming based part of James Bond on John Pertwee and the way he dresses... It's not a Doctor that I can really engage in. I mean, the Doctor before him and the Doctor after him, I love them both. But this Doctor, this would be the Doctor I would put on last, even after Sylvester. Interesting point. I think it's one that, before I'd seen the majority of his stories 
It's the one I probably would have put at the back of the queue with Colin and Sylvester, you know, growing up with Peter. Hartnell's got the iconic fact of being the first Doctor. Troughton's the first man who regenerated the show, and thanks to him, it's still going, because he made a success of it. Tom lasted the longest. Yeah, and obviously Tom's an absolute mega icon, isn't he? But, um, you know, a lot of fans did grow up with Pertwee as their first Doctor, and I don't have a huge problem with watching him. Some of the criticisms he gets is he's sort of too establishment-based... You know, he's too pompous, he's too authoritarian, but... I also think... Sorry to cut you off there, Mike. That's okay. Um, One thing I also... For me, it doesn't help is they're Earth-based. I read a lot of reviews of Pertwee's Doctor, and a lot of people say, I really enjoy the fact that, you know, he's just based on the Earth, he's working with UNED. It is very different to the previous two Doctors. It's just not something that I find that engaging. Yeah, a huge change for the programme going into colour and a real massive change to the format, the first one we saw, really. And the first time we don't see a regeneration. Absolutely, until filmed uh, by fans in the mid-90s called Devious. Uh, worth hunting down on one of the uh, the DVD box sets. I remember you sending me a link to see it. Yeah. I think, was it on Vimeo or yeah, something I think it, like that? It Daily was, Motion. It was on these naughty sites before. Yes. <laughs> Not the ones you have to put credit cards in, the <laughs> listeners. Thankfully not. <laughs> what did you think of Caroline John's read of the story? Quite authoritarian, not a great deal of variation in her performance. It was it was an enjoyable story, but in the same way that when you're in school, a teacher reads you a story or a section of a, of a book. But you go, that's quite, that's quite interesting. Stick to your day, day job. But you're not you're not an actor. A lot of the times, especially with Doctor Quinn, as you said to me earlier before we started recording, it's hard not to see Jane Seymour when any time says someone says Doctor Quinn, and the Brigadier's voice, the voice she puts on, is the impression you do of someone in authority when you're not an actor. Oh, fair enough, fair enough, mate. When my partner reads us us and a story, and she needs to put an authoritative voice for whatever she's reading him, that's the voice she puts on. And she's definitely not an actress. <laughs> if you're listening, I'm very sorry. I love you, but you're an awful actress. When I was listening to this, there was part of me that, that started to think, do I just not like it when women read these Doctor Who stories? Mm. But then I thought, no, I loved Liz Slayton when she used to read them. I loved Louise Jameson when she reads them. I just didn't like Caroline John's read of it. It was a great story, it was enjoyable, not a great read, as I said earlier. I think it's fairly RP, as we've said in the past, and pretty authoritarian, and pretty sort of one-note. You know, a lot of the male voices are sort of, you can almost see her mouth going a bit wider, That the sort of brigadier and the doctors going, hello, and... I really enjoyed the soundtrack to it. I thought the music in the background really aided hated uh, the story if you'd have taken that up out i think this this review would very much have been i listened to an hour of it and then turned it off and never listened to it again yeah i think i would have if it had been sort of city of death length yeah i probably would have switched off let's never ever do a story that long again <laughs> nine nearly ten hours of yeah can i just return to uh john's doctor um in the beautiful segue there i have to say mike <laughs> That was wonderfully done. No, Mr. Pertwee, um, he does sort of show a vulnerability to the Doctor in this story. Um, towards the end, um, 
he's slightly rattled when he has to go through and look through all the different uh, different chemical sort of uh, I can't think the ingredients he needs to get the, the antidotes. Yeah, the components. He's, he's, he actually says, um, "I'm starting to lose confidence after hundreds of years." Mm. So, do you think because you have seen these episodes, did that in any way change your opinion of this story? Because you have got something to draw from, whereas I was drawing from nothing. Has that informed your judgment over this story at all? It's one that I think I've only seen once before. A friend or something had a video whenever it was released in the 90s, and that was the only time I've actually ever seen it all the way through. So, you know, fairly similar to you, only really the second time of watching it. Um, I had the DVD on the shelf for years and only got around to watching it all the way through um, for this podcast. One thing I, th- I thought was, I mean, before we started recording, I had to ask you his pronunciation whether it was correct or not. They never mentioned the Silurians once. It's always reptiles or was it cave monsters? Yeah, it was cave monsters. They never actually say the word Silurians at all. Was there a reason for that? That I'm aware of. Have you read up anything on it? After I, f- I finished listening to this and did, did my research, it just a couple of people mentioned that, oh, they never call them by their names. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason. I'm sure there is a reason why. Does Malcolm Hulk own the rights? To, no, but he's writing the story, so it couldn't be. No, Silurians is a historical phrase, isn't it? It yeah. existed before the... Before the book was published. And another thing I'd like to bring up. I wish they'd picked a team. They either refer to him as Doctor Who, which always sounds like a bad joke I told as a kid. Yeah. Or the Doctor. Either choose to call him Doctor Who or call him the Doctor. Don't keep flipping in between them both. Well, let us know, faithful new listeners, but he was known as Doctor Who in the credits for a number of years. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when it changed, but there is a, a point if our listeners let us know. Didn't it change for Tom's Doctor? I think so. It could be around about then, around about 10 years, 11 years in. 74, Tom, started? Yeah, till 80? 81, yeah. Oh. Early 81, yeah. I can, st- I can still remember that was one of the first times I ever saw Doctor Who uh, was an episode with K9. Don't know which episode it was. Were you a fan of K9? I was. I thought he was he was great. And when they brought him back, uh, when... Russell T. Davis brought him back for that one episode. I did do a little cheer. Metal dog at that. It's like Metal Mickey, metal in those days. Yeah, whatever happened to Metal Mickey? I don't know, but I've gone back and tried to watch one on YouTube and it is utterly appalling. One of the worst TV shows ever made. Really? I think so. Yeah, don't, don't. It's one of those ones you shouldn't go back to from your childhood. I still wish I'd never gone back to watching, watching that one episode of Street Talk. Oh, man. A show that I thought was so amazing that when you go back to it and go, nope. The best episode of that, only one season, actually has uh, Daphne Ashbrook in it from uh, the Doctor Who TV movie in '96. I've never met her. She, she's actually, I've heard she's quite friendly. Yeah, I think I'm a friend with her on Facebook, having never met her. But you know, perhaps, hopefully, in the future, maybe Gallifrey one next year. And how's your saving going towards that? It's it's going. <laughs> just about going, as is the uh, money in my account. <laughs> there's just too there's just too many cons going. Talking about Caroline John, but as an actress, you haven't seen the story, but did Hulk give us a fully rounded character, do you think, in the book? I think he was trying to. I really think he was trying to, but obviously with the limitations of what he was going to write, it was almost there. It was almost a rounded character. So yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, there, was, it was full, there were fully formed characters, even with the restraints that he had. 
based on the TV version, I think you lose a bit in the book from the Doctor and the Companion. Because there's so many other characters in the book, he's got to flesh it out and got to switch yeah. the scenes around. But she has a good presence in the stories. You which, know, is, she's... which is really strange because the majority of the Target books, they add more to the story. I mean, was it the towns of Wang Chiang? It gives it this much, much richer world. I mean, was Terence Dix? That was Terence yeah, Dix. Yeah, so. Robert Holmes on TV. Yeah. He really fleshed out the story, so it was very strange to see a Target novel that had been condensed. Yes. And even more so when I actually found out, yes, it had been condensed. Yes. Yeah, so I think he does his best, but I think she's better served in the TV version because she's moved on. They moved on from the damsel in distress companions for a little while anyway by this point. She is a strong scientist. What was your opinion of Liz Shaw? Not as memorable as... Katie, who followed her, even though she was a bit more of a screamer. Shall we say? <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and, you know, Sarah Jane was... Sarah Jane was probably an amalgamation, the perfect amalgamation of the two that came before her. Katie's laid-backness, you know, taking things in her stride, you know, with a bit of the screaming going on. I'd say the greater intelligence. Not so much emotional intelligence that Joe Grant had. Yep. Allied with the sort of uh, more conservative approach of Sarah Jane, yeah. <laughs> you know, he had a mixture of two. She had yeah. she had a bit more emotion to her than Liz Shaw. I think I think when you get get an assistant, and not just in Doctor Who, but in any, in any show where they change one of the um, main characters. I know the Doctor regenerates and we have a new Doctor, but with with the assistants, if you have one really standout Doctor. One standout assistant, even the people who can be before or will come after, they're really going to struggle to be remembered because yeah. Liz Slayton was fantastic. I think they all were with, you know, she was with John as well. Yeah. And we obviously had later then, Louise Jameson was great. That must have been a hard act to follow. That that was that was Pat Troughton following uh, William Hartnell. Because, it would be whoever it was, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because Louise Jameson came in with, you know, the bar had been set so high. I think it might have helped the costume they gave her. <laughs> that brought the dads back into watching. I, th- I think there was many dads in the 70s going, eh, I think I'll give this a bit of a watch. Yeah, I might come home early from the pub or the football uh, this afternoon. Yep, uh, you know, finish watching Grandstand going, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm watching this with the kids. <laughs> I'll look after them. Yeah, I'll look after them. You cook tea, I'll look after these. Yeah, the other characters-wise, we've got Dr. Lawrence, Major Baker. Dr. Lawrence is actually played by Peter Miles, who famously played uh, Davros's right-hand man, Nida, in Genesis of the Daleks. Dr. Quinn was, as you told me earlier, was played by Fulton Mackay, famous for Porridge, or in your case, Fraggle Rock. Yeah, and you do wonder with these characters are sort of... Very intelligent scientist man, but slightly dumb in becoming friends with a, you know, a reptile creature. Yeah. <laughs> Do you say that coming back to the uh, to the new series, the Runaway Bride, the groom, where he beca- he you know he becomes um, a pawn of the Ragnos. Yeah. The Ragnos. I'm going to say Sycorax then. The Ragnos. Where do they meet up? <laughs> I've always questioned, I've always wondered that. Where do you meet up? Where do you just go, oh, I just, you're not going to bump it into each other in a pub, are you? She was a big woman. She had lots of legs. It's it's very similar to 
well, in a certain way, Ninja Turtles. You know, you know how you solve that question? A target novelization. That's Or the true. Runaway Bride. Well, that needs to go in, Russell, if you're going to adapt it. Please do. It's one of my favourite stories. Yeah, one question for you. And I think you should leave this in because maybe one of our listeners um, can answer it. The Ninja Turtles. Why do they wear masks? Because let's be honest, that mask is doing nothing to hide who they are. <laughs> like, they got a big shell. You might be able to spot them in a the lineup if uh, any of them actually got up to crime. Yeah. Who, who mugged you? <laughs> oh, well, he had this big shell. Well, it's not that one because I can't see his face. <laughs> Characters wise, on the book once more, returning. Um, Major Baker, he's got a good backstory in the book of uh, killing, well, a sniper, isn't he? That's quite a yeah. quite a dramatic moment, and he is a bit of a Brexiteer, really, isn't he? He's a bit, uh, he's a bit racist, shall we say? <laughs> Not it, that you all are Brexiteers, but you know, it, it was it was the seventies. I mean, there's there's certain there's certain things you can get. I wouldn't say get away with, but that was. That was allowed back then. But he's the one-dimensional sort of kicked-out squaddy, isn't he, really? I think even the best of stories have got one-dimensional characters. Yeah. So I think, you know, you can excuse it. It's sometimes in these Doctor Who novels with the amount of characters, it's almost like one represents one part of human prejudice, like, you know, he is possibly the racism. Yeah. You have the intelligence. You have the compassion. Which is, you know, either Liz or the Doctor. Yeah. What's the car, then? Just the car. The petrol. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Bessie represents. True, true. The initial cover, published 1974, recreated in the 2011 version, both by uh, Alistair Pearson. What do you make of them, Lee? You've got Pertwee pencil drawn in there. Are they colour pencil drawn, the Silurian and the T-Rex? I'd, I'd say they are. I like the black and white of Pertwee and the colour of the Silurian and the T-Rex. And do you think the it, cream... It really makes him pop. Yeah, do you think the cream background worked um, with the gold lettering of this symbol, of the uh, Doctor Who title? It looks very nice. It looks, I, I don't know how best to describe it, it looks like something I'd want to pick up and read. Yeah, I think so. You've obviously got the Doctor's picture on the front, but looking through, uh, Andrew Skeletor did some illustrations, as they seem to do in the uh, Target novel as well. That, perhaps it's not that, then. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one, halfway through, page 41, you've got a T-Rex there. We put, we unfortunately standing at a certainly prominent part of it. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's it's very nicely done. You know, nice line drawings. I mean, you're a youngster, say in the seventies. Both before we were both born when this was released, seventy four. That sort of image is going to excite you, isn't it? You know, yeah. the episodes are rarely repeated. You might get the odd omnibus, but there are other adventures you haven't seen. I did read one review of this where they said they'd never got to see it. Obviously, it was someone that was much older, and said they'd never got to see it out on broadcast. So they were so happy that. The target had done this, done the story, so they hadn't missed out. So, what are the other covers like then, Mike? There was a 1979 edition, a Kidios again, gone for the green background. Um, I don't know, it's a bad scan, but the background images look a bit faded, don't they? Yeah. And then Alistair Pearson did a reprint for the when the Virgin took over the range of reprints in 1991 or 92, I think 92. What you make of that one? We got the brig out there as well. I it it seems it it feels very rushed. Yeah, a bit composited and like yeah. Pertwee in photo negative and looking uh, skin like Trump really orange. And 
if you took off the Doctor Who logo, the is that the McCoy logo? That is the McCoy with yeah. the ribbons they used to have. If you take that off, it looks like the Brigadier is the main character. That's and, true. And the, the Doctor is either a villain or just a supporting character. Very true. This is a uh, Japanese print. That's uh, quite unusual, but I do like it. I do like it. It looks like something I would read to my son. About two happy dinosaurs. Oh, well, that's uh, Finnish, is it, in the background? Yeah. And that's another Japanese one. Not really sure it's going to be Doctor Who, are we? But uh, no, There's nothing on that that says it's Doctor Who. Well, let's not forget, in one of the Godzilla movies, he f- faces an evil scientist called Doctor Who, doesn't he? Yeah. I think one of the 60s ones, I think. And that's the CD release from 2007, the audiobook we listened to. Just a recreation, really. Yeah. Uh, the blue Doctor Who logo and the green breaking for the and the cave monsters. For me, that would be a tie, I think, between the recreation of it and the... Uh, yeah. The 2011 one and the original. I think I, if I if I had to choose, I'd go with the blue writing for the the Doctor Who. There's something there's something about the the color blue that makes me think of Doctor Who. Might be the TARDIS. Any other sort of graphic novel artists it, it no. reminds you of? No, not really. Got its own style. It's definitely got its own style. Yeah, were you happy with the way the book ended? The audio book ended. Yeah, I was I was more than happy it ended the way I expected it to. A bit of a sly move by the Brigadier. I can't remember the next story, but I'm surprised in the TV version you don't actually get a scene. The Doctor just sort of runs out of petrol or something in the car, so he pours some concoction in, and they see the explosions go off overground. And then it literally just ends. You know, the Doctor says to Liz, it's murder, and it literally just ends. I'm sure, Did in the book, didn't he have a little conversation with the Brigadier afterwards about what the hell he was doing? I must admit, I can't remember. Or was it actually? I think it might actually have been changed to say that rather than kill off the Silurians, the Rockfall would just trap them in for however many years. Which is the same thing Tom Baker does to Davros in uh, Destiny of the Daleks. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I can't really remember how it ended. And that was obviously the last bit that I listened to. <laughs> what, are you, what would you give this story out of ten? Out of 10 for me, maybe altogether, TV-wise, a 7. Maybe a 7 again for the book. And possibly down to a 6 or a 5 for Caroline John's narration. Um, I'll go for, obviously because I'm only going by uh, the book, I'd give the book a solid 7. It was an enjoyable story, but the same as you, I'd give Caroline John's read a 6. Because it was, as we've said, very flat. So recommended by, or, you know, there's other ones you should look at first. I definitely recommend it. It was a, it was a good way to kill, was it f- nearly five hours? Yeah. Going off uh, Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters, what else have you been up to recently then? TV-wise, Game of Thrones, the penultimate episode. Yeah. What did we think with uh, King's Landing? Should we go for spoilers? Spoilers, folks. One after five. Four. We're kicking in spoilers. The Destruction of King's Landing. Uh, really enjoyable episode. One of my favourites that I've ever seen, I think. Not that I go really go back and have rewatched Game of Thrones. I just follow it in a linear way. I have gone back and watched Game of Thrones quite a few times. Um, I watched it the first time when it first started. Then I met Debbie. Then she started watching it, so we went back again. And then I went back again to watch it. One thing I will say about Series 8... 
bit like the Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters. It does seem a little bit rushed. Like they're trying to get the last of the story in. There's an hour and 20 minutes left with the final episode. And you've got a lot of characters that have just disappeared that were important through the entire show and now are just redundant. Sam, do. Sam Tarly mm. was a very important character. He just seems to have just now disappeared. Bran, I personally think you could have this entire story without Bran. Mm-hmm. He doesn't bring anything to the table. So Bran flakes in a way. Yeah, Bran, <laughs> Bran flakes completely. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where they're going to go. I really, as, as you said, I really enjoyed it. It was one of the best episodes. But for the overall story arc, I'm not so sure. The way Cersei and Jamie died. Yeah, we were all sort of building up in our heads, uh, many of us, hoping she'd get a really violent death off somebody. You know, yeah. off Arya, off Sansa, off someone. But, you know, why have they gone down that road? Because um, they couldn't decide, perhaps amongst themselves, who, who could give her the most violent death. I mean, I know... I know there's still two more books to go and I don't want to be one of those people going, well, in the books you have. But, no, Jamie doesn't care about his sister in the books anymore mm-hmm. by the end of the sixth book. So, it, you know, it is different. I'm, I am, I'm curious to see where it's... Brienne of Tarth, there's another character. Sorry to jump back there, folks, but Brienne of Tarth, she was really important. Now she's just disappeared again. What, what's happening? She's staying in Winterfell... And da- and Daenerys, it seemed, it seemed too quick that she went mad. She's gone. She's always had a hard edge, hasn't she? Yeah, As she's needed to. Yeah, but there's always been a reason for. And I know, you know, you could argue that you well, could say no. She's lost a dragon. She's lost um, Natalie Emmanuel's character with her head chopped off. She's lost Melis- her, Melisandre. and uh, she lost Ian Glenn. The uh, the Guardian, what was his name? I can never remember the uh, names. I was going to say Sadavos, but it wasn't Sadavos. He was the onion. He's still alive, luckily enough. Um, He's almost getting like Sean Bean in terms of dying and things, because he died in the time of angels in Doctor Who with a weeping angel around his neck. But I did like that meme saying, you know, you feel sorry for the people of King's Landing, but they were the ones who uh, cheered when Ned Stark got beheaded. Yeah. Yeah, that, Karma. That, that, that was very true, but the, the whole her whole story has been um, to release people from their yeah. chains. You know, Cersei was a tyrant, so was her son. Um, not the one that jumped out the window, the other one. So this whole idea of right, I'm going to kill everyone seems very much out of character. They didn't build that really build up to okay. She all of a sudden is going to go mental. Because Jon Snow doesn't want to sleep with her anymore, because... One thing I will say, the Dothraki, clearly, in the Game of Thrones world, the steroid gym monkeys. Yes. Because they got wiped out like nothing on Earth by the White Walkers, didn't they? Yeah. You know, It was over in literally a series of flashes. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're back again. By the end of the Battle of Winterfell, most of um, the Dothraki have been wiped out. Most of the um, Unsullied have been wiped out. Then all of a sudden they're all back. Where'd they come from? Well, mm. they, they had like backup soldiers. And where the hell were they before? Yeah. Euron Greyjoy, there's another character that was kind of pointless. Mm. Actually, the more I'm talking about it, I seem to not like King Season 8. 
but I know I really do. Well, as you said, it is it is quite rushed because people have wondered if he started the last or well, he's part of the way through the penultimate book now, isn't he? Uh, as far uh, as you know, but yeah, the wind the winds of winter was supposed to come out. It's been ten years since the last mm-hmm. Game of Thrones novel, right? A lot of people have speculated um, that he's never going to finish them. It's one of those things that will never be finished. A friend of mine did make a good point that um, maybe he has finished the novels and HBO have asked him to hold off from releasing them just so they can finish their TV show, which, after seeing the TV show, I genuinely think that is a possibility that he's then going to go, oh, no, I finished them, by the way, here they are. Yeah, in terms of being rushed you do wonder with how TV works as a business whether they have more like star names now you know Amelia Clark's had a star on the rise whether you whether we rate her as an actress or not um, Sophie Turner's you know my feelings oh the, perfect you know my feelings of both of them as actresses <laughs> yeah not the greatest range yet I would say um, with Sophie Turner as well especially when she's acting with Maisie Williams she gets acted off the screen by Maisie Maisie is such a fantastic actress. And Sophie Turner, you can tell, is going to get away. Uh, she's going to get a career based on her looks. So what happens when her looks go? Amelia Clark again, is not a great actress. Terminator Genesis is a prime example of that. And Solo. I had no investment in your characters in either, in either one of those. And I love Star Wars. Yeah. You know, do the prices just rise considerably? And that's why they've cut down. You know, Lena Headey's had a fairly decent career behind her as well, hasn't she? So she she can't be too cheap. <laughs> no, she, apparently she got a million, million dollars per episode for standing at a window. I feel the correct, that corrected to 500 grand now, but still. Maybe it's dollars, pounds. Yeah. Euros. If someone said, I'm going to pay you $500,000 to just stand and look out of a window. Yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll do that. Or Kit Harrington. I, I Kit Harrington just generally being miserable. But even because of the darkness, you've lost a lot of the lightness, I think, of Tyrion, who's one of the better characters, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, talking from, we're talking with you and with other friends, it's gone. What, how's it going to end? Oh, well, you know, Jamie's going to kill Cersei. Well, we know that's not true. Or oh, Jon Snow's going to kill Daenerys. That might happen. There again, Arya might kill Daenerys or Sansa might kill Daenerys mm-hmm. we don't know how it's going to end yep Th- thank you for listening to the Game of Thrones podcast <laughs> one of probably about 500 in the world my theory for what it's worth it'll be John and Sansa left standing they'll bore each other to death Snow the wolf will arrive uh, cock his leg up against the throne take a pee start eating the corpse of John and Sansa and then sit on the throne and take a massive dump roll credits I, w- I want to see uh, they all kill each other and then the very last scene is you see someone standing over uh, walking over all their bodies and Bronn just sits in the Iron Throne yeah. and he gets everything walking yeah. again <laughs> no not Bronn oh no Bronn Bron, Bron, yeah um, who's Bronn I can't remember Bronn is Jerome not, not Robson oh, oh Flynn Jerome yeah Cameron. Jerome Flynn another character that just sort of he was given a mission go and kill my brothers he turns up and goes, if you can make me a better offer, I won't yeah. kill you. And then just, he's gone. We haven't mentioned the Hound in the Mountain fight now. That was no, worth that waiting was, for. Yes, that was incredible. 
and how how he killed him, pushing him into the one thing that he was most afraid of, which was fire. Yeah. And of course, the mountain um, started off looking like a fat Anakin Skywalker, then changed a bit to an angry Drax from Guardians. Yeah, he looked. He was. He was what I was expecting when they took the helmet off. Game of Thrones line. I liked the Benioff and Weiss. Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy has been cancelled, but Benioff and Weiss's trilogy is going to go forward, and I'm hoping it's going to be set in the Old Republic. Excellent. That should be a really good All new effort. characters. Because I know they're coming under fire for this this new uh, this new series of Game of Thrones. But you can't you can't say that they haven't given you very engaging TV. I think it's a bit of a backlash to it ending. You know, people do not like things ending, do they? So no. I think that's part of it. And we've had so many things end this year. Avengers ended. I I have a I have a prediction. What social media is going to say on Monday? I can't believe that was it. This is lost all over again. Or my personal favourite, which w- which will be. I can't wait for George R. R. Martin to finish the book so I can see how it really ends. Yay! That's what it's going to say on social media next week. Yeah, and we have a prequel, of course. I know John Sim, the master, has been cast in that. They, yeah, they, that is really going, going ahead. About a thousand years before these events? I thought it was about 300. 300, is it? Okay. Uh, never know. We'll, we'll see. You, um, the internet gives you so much speculation. You know, it could be anything. Otherwise, we both binge-watched, didn't we? Uh, Lucifer Season 4. Moved oh. to Netflix now, and I really loved it. Shorter run, ten episodes, but compacted well, just fit really perfectly. The the great uh, character arcs throughout the three series so far really expanded again in this Season 4. This isn't a criticism of, of the new series of Lucifer, because I absolutely adored it. But by the time you got to the end of Season 10, I was I was just hoping that there were going to be more episodes there. Because yes. it was so well done. Yeah, I suppose they they haven't announced season five yet, but you would think it's coming from the cliffhanger, you know. But they do leave it open ended. It could be the end. It could be season five. I think with the amount of positive feedback you got on, especially Twitter, yeah, um, that Netflix US liked, including mine. They liked mine apparently. Um, I think they're going to bring back bring back Lucifer it, it would be unless the actors turn around and go no I'm not doing it I can't see them not doing it and I think Tom Ellis certainly grew up in our generation because in Lucifer I can see bits of Rick Mail and I can see bits of Rimmer from Red Dwarf yeah I, I, I agree with that but it almost makes me wish you know this would be a great way to play the Doctor and we're probably possibly not going to see that with Tom Ellis maybe we will one day would you like Tom Ellis as a Doctor well, um, it would be a returning case because he played Martha Jones' boyfriend in uh, the season three finale, the one that doesn't exist when she goes back in time. The Earth gets spun back a year to when the Master took over. Yeah. He's he's actually sort of uh, erased from the existence. I'm going to have to go back and watch that now tonight. Yeah, The Sound of Drums and uh, Last of the Time Lords. I am definitely going to go back and watch that tonight. Yeah. And of course he was Miranda's uh, sort, wasn't he, in that comedy show? Yeah, a TV show that I've never, ever watched. Wouldn't say missing that much, really, but it does have its fans. You know, she's a person I like, you know, as a performer. Just I always, especially on Graham Norton and any chat show, she's always very entertaining. Yeah, she seems a lovely person as it's, well. You know, there is only so much TV you can watch before you just like, pick a book up. Lucifer Comics-wise, 
when was that created? Was that a gaming creation? Uh, Vertigo that was, Comics? That yeah. was a Vertigo Comics creation. He was a character that was in Sandman. And someone asked me, a friend of mine texted me saying, do you have any Lucifer Comics? I'm like, yes, I do. It's not like the TV show. It's loosely based. And speaking of Neil Gaiman, we've got the Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, uh, Good Omens coming out at the end of the month. Excellent. Really looking forward to that. With, uh, obviously with the Doctor in it. And the voice of House from the Matt Smith uh, Doctor's Wife Neil Gaiman episode. Michael Sheen, local yes. boy. Across the water in Port Toilet here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have, you know, I am a Talbot boy, so I... I still love that place. No, it is. It is. I know a lot of people from there. They're very nice. Although, I always remember... Do you remember the comedian Lee Hurst? Yes. I went to see him, and he said about driving to Swansea, he said, one thing Port Talbot re- needs is some really big trees so you don't see it when you're driving down the M4. <laughs> <laughs> With everything finishing, there are still a lot of good things to watch. And obviously... We both finished Cobra Kai season oh, two. Oh, season two! What a nostalgic flashback! Spoilers again, folks. One, two, three, four, five. That Cobra Kai reunion episode where uh, was it? One of them. What's his name? Is it the one who says in the Karate Kid, "He give him a body bag"? He's the one that dies of cancer when they're on the camping trip. When that was first announced, I remember you and I were talking about it. I did think, oh, it's just going to be a parody, like Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, but. They've, it's been so well written um, there are jokes in it which that made me laugh after I'd watched the episode especially in episode 1 season of season 2 where the guy says to Johnny about his t-shirt and just going about how amazing the 80s were and he just looks at him going my 80s was very different to yours <laughs> yes <laughs> um, no, so that's another good thing to watch Next time, Lee, what should we look at? We've gone through the Doctors again. Should we go for the main man, Tom, seeing as there's so many stories of his we have to cover? Considering how many episodes that... Obviously, I'm the new co-host. Yeah. Let's go for Tom, but you choose. I'll have a think. I'll have a think and get through to you. I'll give you, I'll give you a list of them. Have, you, have you done Towns of Wang Chang yet? That was the very first episode of Doctor Who Target Files. Oh, dear, that's... I've, We've done a few of the very well-known ones like Horror of Fang Rock and Genesis of the Daleks as well gonna sign off this is lee saying bye bye for now and this is mike saying so yeah so if you want to rate review and and subscribe on itunes yeah and uh please do at dw target files at doctor who the target files on instagram and search for our facebook page bye 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 (laughs) doctor who target files was hosted by lee farncombe and michael winks 13th doctor theme cover by borna matosic please do check out the YouTube channel B-O-R-N-A-M-A-T-O-S-I-C. You can contact Doctor Who Target Files on Twitter at DW Target Files handle or Instagram at Doctor Who The Target or leave a message on our Facebook page Doctor Who The Target Files. Please do rate and review us on iTunes and thank you so much for listening.